Thank you again, <clears throat> excuse me, for being here this evening, and uh, just hope that we'll get a chance to see you again if you're not involved in church, uh, in another church somewhere. Um, this has been, this is family tradition for Marilyn and I that we find ourselves in candlelight service on Christmas Eve night. The very first time that we did this was when I was pastor in St. Augustine, and since 1986, that means since this is about the 34th year in a row we've done this and just very natural that our family's here my daughter lives here in town she attends church here she comes every year to candlelight service it's just a part of our tradition it was five years ago tonight however that she had um, her mother and I sitting on pins and needles uh, because Lauren was five, it was a week overdue with uh, our first grandchild you heard Daniel reading the story talking with the children and one little girl Shared with Daniel that tomorrow's her birthday. Well, that's Olivia. When she came into the world, Marilyn and I quickly discovered that Faith Hill was right when she sang, A Baby Changes Everything. A baby changes everything for everybody involved, doesn't it? No matter who that baby is, that baby's going to change the life of those individuals that are directly involved in that baby's life. But if you listen real closely to the Faith Hill song, you'll quickly realize she's not talking about just any baby. She has a specific baby in mind. It was the baby that the angel talked about to some shepherds on a hillside outside of Bethlehem the night that baby was born. When that angel said to those shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Some eight centuries before the angel made that announcement, the prophet Isaiah made an announcement about the world's gloom and darkness being dispelled by light, by the people who were living under oppression and in bondage, that they would be set free and that the conflicts and the hostilities and the wars of the world would be replaced by peace. And it would all happen because unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. This baby truly changes everything. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, beginning with verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This baby changes everything. He changes everything to a world that was enshrouded in darkness. Isaiah wanted them to understand hope 
had dawned or would be dawning as this child would be born. That this is what Christmas is all about. But what we need to understand about this hope, and when the first thing we need to understand about the, the, this hope is that this hope does not rest upon the shoulders of humanity. Isn't it interesting? This next year we're going to, as a nation, be divided over which individual is going to bring hope to this nation. And the reality is that the hope that God offers, only God can bring us. And no humanity, human person is going to do it. In fact, if you listen again to the prophet, he makes it very clear. The reason why there's hopelessness in the world today is because of humanity. In other words, you and I are not the solution. We're the problem. It really is our fault, and life really is this bad. One of the things that some people don't like about the gospel of Jesus Christ is it's just so blatantly honest and, and, and blunt. But you've got to start that you and I have got a problem, and we're the problem, and we're not the solution. And the solution lives and resides somewhere outside of ourselves. But, but the good news is that God has acted in the person of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and some eight centuries before he was born, Isaiah foresees his coming and wants us to understand that hope firmly rests on the shoulders of this child who would be born. His prophecy makes it makes it very clear. There's a there's there's going to be a, an end of the of, to hopelessness. There's going to be an end to darkness. There's going to be an end of oppression. There's going to be freedom for those that will trust him. He's going to overcome darkness. He's going to overcome death. And it's all because a child has been born. Unto us a child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. And the hope of the world rests on his shoulders. All because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Think with me just for a moment about what this child does. He replaces our gloom and dispels our darkness and thereby gives us joy. He dispels our darkness not by bringing us light, but by being the light. He said, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He sets us free from all that would oppress, uh, oppress us. He promised, if the Son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. He's given us peace. Real peace. So the Apostle Paul would write, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at all that this child has done, but it's really also important to understand that hope rests not only what what he does, but also who he is. Isaiah gave him throne names. It was very common in those days when a, when a baby was born to royalty that, that he would be given some throne names, looking forward to when he would rule upon the throne. And Isaiah gives this baby some throne names. He says that he is the wonderful counselor because he's going to come and he's going to be the answer for the world's confusion. He, he's the mighty God or the mighty warrior who contends for us, having vanquished sin and death and triumphs over the works of our enemy. 
He's everlasting Father, or the Father of Eternity, who provides with stability and security by His constant presence, provision, and protection. He is the Prince of Peace, who gives us an abiding peace, a peace with God, a peace with one another. But more importantly, and probably most importantly, peace within. We begin to now be able to live with ourselves because of the peace that He makes possible. But the remarkable thing about these titles is, as you look at them, these are not just throne names of royalty. These are divine names. These are names for God. Because Isaiah wants us to understand that's who this is. John would write and say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we beheld his, beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father. This is God himself who's come to us. God who's come to us to deliver us out of the mess we've gotten ourselves into. Come to give us hope where we've sown ourselves into hopelessness. But, but he's come to give us that hope. It gives us a whole new picture of, of God, doesn't it? That God's not the creator who created the world and wound it up and then left. But rather, God's the one who created the world, wound it up, and then stayed and drew near because he wants to be intimately involved in your life and in my life because he loves us, because he created us for a relationship with himself, a relationship that we messed up by our sinfulness, but which... He came to resolve and to deal with once and for all because this child was born. And it was through that child's life and ultimately his death on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection that God would assure us that this child is exactly who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. And if we'll put our faith and our trust and hope in him, he'll do that in our lives. And that's why we celebrate tonight, isn't it? Because of who this child is and because of what this child has done. It's not just because he was born, but because of what he did after he was born and who he is, who he was and who he still is and will always be. The writer of Hebrews, what does he say? Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's who he is. And he wants to bring hope into your life. And the only way he can bring hope into your life is for you to humbly receive it. If you listen to Isaiah, he said, For unto us a son is born, and unto us a son is given. He came as God's gift to us. Something about gifts. If they really are gifts... Number one, they're not earned. You can't earn a gift. And surely when you begin to understand who this one is, this child is that was born, you and I ought to realize we definitely do not deserve this gift. But God freely gave his son out of love for you and me. I like to earn my own way in life. You probably do too. But the message is we can't earn this. We can only receive it by faith. 
The other thing that bothers us is the fact that you uh, that we say, well, wait, I, I'm not that bad. But the truth is, you're not that good either. And it's why we need the Savior to come into our life and to bring us the hope that only he can bring. This is why we celebrate. This, this is what, why we're here this evening. To come tonight to say that Jesus Christ is the light of the world who dispels the gloom and offers us hope. He is our hope. He is the world's hope, the world's only hope. And we gather and worship because hope has come, because Christ has come. Because unto us a child has been born. Unto us a child has been given. Offered the question tonight, have you received that gift? Again, by simple faith. An acknowledgement. I need this gift. Yes, I'm not the solution to the problem. I am the problem. And I need God's solution. And I believe that God gave that solution to the person of Jesus Christ. So I ask him into my life to save me. Tonight you're ready to make that decision. Would you close your, head, close your eyes and bow your head? And right now you can just simply, right where you are, just simply say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And so I ask you to come to my life, forgive my sin, give me your salvation, and let me know your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there was in your bulletin a, a little card there. Would you take time to fill that out? Give us as much information as you feel comfortable with. But I really would like to have some kind of contact information with you. I'd like to follow up with you. And um, email address, telephone number. And, and we can talk about sometime when we can, the next couple of weeks when it's convenient for you um, to talk more about this decision. Uh, you can indicate on the card, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or I'm committing my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I would like to talk to a staff member. Maybe you don't, tonight you say, boy, this all sounds interesting. I want more information. Or I want more information about Seminole First Baptist Church. And you just put fill that information out and then just leave it in the pew where you are. Uh, we'll pick it up afterwards. So you don't need to worry about that. Just leave it right there. We'll get, get it. And um, make some contact with you in the next couple of weeks. Can't make that contact. Can't help you with those information if you don't do that. So if you'd help us out with that, or if you'd like to see me after the service and, and give me yours, that, that would be great. We can talk, again, at a time and a point when it's convenient for you. We're here tonight to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is indeed the light of the world. We're reminded that the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those that were living in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. John said about him, the Lord Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of 
of life. Isaiah would later once say, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In him was life. In him was light. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He wants to give you his light so that he can say about you what he said in Matthew chapter 6 that now you are the light of the world. As light, you need to shine in the darkness with the hope that only Jesus Christ can, can bring.
Christmas. Hope you and your family have a great time tonight, tomorrow, the rest of the week. Let me invite you to worship with us again Sunday morning, 8.30 and 11 o'clock. God bless you, and again, Merry Christmas.